Hi, and welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie. Sorry that we were a little tardy, as is the uh, custom of the season. Done a little bit of traveling and a bit of going here and there, and a good bit of reading, too. Finding new bookstores, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really great ones. But yeah, I did a lot of reading, as I am the person who rode in the car, and you were the one who drove, so... Yeah, my my Memphis to back to St. Louis to Kansas City to St. Louis to back. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's been a time. I, I see white lines in my sleep, and that's highway lines. But, but I read a lot, and I just want to say, again... For all the years that I proclaimed I could not read electronically, the Kindle that you bought me has been amazing. Yeah, you're a convert at this point. Yeah, I think more than half of these books. Yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm not sure. I think I only read two of these books in in like a book, actual physical book. The rest of them were electronic. The good news is I just picked up two new library books for you. So You did, and I've got two books I'm about to finish, so I'll get to them next. So anyway. All right, here we go. Here's what I have read. Lots of these are going to go kind of quickly because I think I have eight books to mention here. Um, and some of them are just, like the first one I read was Merry Xmas by Courtney Welsh, which is a Christmas book that That's I was... E-X-mas. Yeah, E-X-M-A-S. Yeah. I was influenced by Instagram to go with Christmas in July, and so that's what I did. <laughs> listen, my family used to listen to Christmas music all year round, and they are still the biggest Christmas people that I know, so... Um, I think the fact that I even read a Christmas book in July would make them proud. Yeah, yeah, it's on brand. Um, but this is by Courtney Walsh. She's the same one who wrote uh, the Happy Life of Isadora Bentley that I read a couple weeks ago. Um, she writes just really nice, feel-good books that deal with real things that people face in a really fun and lighthearted kind of way. So she's a fun author. Also has quite a few books on Kindle Unlimited if you do that. So that's one way (laughs) you'll probably hear more from her because she's got a lot there. There you go. Then I read Hello Stranger by Catherine Center, who's one of my absolute favorites. And I've been looking forward to this book for a year now. In this book, the main character is a portrait artist who uh, has an issue with her brain. She has to have brain surgery. And when she comes out of it, the side effect that she is having is a temporary face blindness. So she can see people, but their faces look like puzzle pieces to her. Like she can't put together. Is this real? Apparently. I don't know. I didn't research it, but there's a lot of like, you know, really smart sounding stuff in the book about it. Um, So, you know, she could hear voices. She can see people. But, and obviously that's a detriment to her business. She has a huge competition coming up that she's earned. She also has. Um, a lot of family issues that also relate to her artistry. Her mother was also an artist who passed away at a young age who was a candidate for this prize. She's not getting along with her father. She isn't making any money. She feels like she's at this total crossroads of her life, and then this happens to her. I'm going to say this was one of my favorite Catherine Center books, and she's really prolific. She's written a lot of books, and she's written a lot of books that I really love. I'm looking forward to the Netflix movie that's coming out in August on her book, Happiness for Beginners, which may be my all-time favorite book of hers. Um, They're they're obviously, you know, it's a feel-good book, but it's got a lot of just heart and grit and things to work through in it. It's impossible not to love her characters. It was a great book. I'd highly recommend it. Then I read What If It's Wonderful by Nicole Zasowski. I'm not sure I'm saying that last name right. Um, But this book was nonfiction, and this one was about looking at your life 
instead of counting all the ways everything could go wrong, looking at what if it turns out better than you expected. And she goes through a lot of things, anxiety, fear, um, things that happened in your past. She is a therapist, and so she approaches this topic from that mindset. She kind of works through a lot of different issues. Um, she is a Christian. She's, a, I believe, a Christian family therapist, and so she works through these issues, too, using the Bible as a resource, showing how it all connects and what God really wants for our lives. And I thought it was really great. Well, this is interesting because I've always been a fan of, of like setting the bar slightly low, but mm-hmm. not like stupid low. <laughs> on a zero to 10, I'm like set the bar at three on the outcome thing. So, well, and I don't think that she is saying, oh, you should just like throw everything well, up. It sounds to more, more like she's like set it at seven. She's saying, you know, just leave room for expectation. Yeah. Don't drown yourself yeah. in all of the worry and the stress and the everything else. I thought she was really smart. I thought this book, um, I found it really incredibly inspiring. I read it for a huge part of the summer because I read it slowly and mm-hmm. kind of thought things about it. Thought things about it. Thought it through. <laughs> um, also, just on a side note, it has a really fantastic cover. It's, it's a black cover and it looks like kind of like sparkles and confetti have exploded all over it, which might be a deterrent for men, but it is not a deterrent <laughs> here at all. It's a really gorgeous cover and it's a great book. All right, then I read Love Light Farms by B.K. Borison, still on my little Christmas in July kick, which was a story. <laughs> this was a Hallmark movie and a book. It was a story about a woman who owns a Christmas tree farm, even, and is in love with her best friend. So that is all I need to say about that. Um, but what tortured past is he running from that he will have to overcome with the help of her abiding love? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't she even She was the one movies. with the past, but anyway, oh. it was just a fun book. Um, I might have even liked it better had I actually read it at Christmas, and this book is where I quit my Christmas in stuff and moved on with life. All right, then I read Musical Chairs by Amy Popel. I've talked about her several times on here. I read Small Admissions by her. Um, I also read The Sweet Spot, which is my favorite thing of hers. I think the only thing of hers I haven't finished yet is Limelight, and I have it. I just am not done with it. This book was much more like The Sweet Spot than Small Admissions and Limelight. So you can, it's really fun, I think, to read all the books that an author wrote and watch their growth. So Small Admissions and Limelight were her first two. And you see her in musical chairs moving into what's going to be this just brilliant, wonderful thing in The Sweet Spot. This centers around two members of a music quartet who have worked together since college. They're trying to find a third person to round out their quartet again, but both of them are in middle age. And um, the life of a musician who's trying to work off a quartet is not the most, uh, I'm saying quartet, I mean trio. There's three of them. Yeah, that's it. Um, they, it's not the most uh, financially stable. And so both of them in this one particular summer where they are getting back together at um, her summer house, they're trying to figure out what they actually want from their life and how they can make that happen in the middle of all kinds of things for both of them, both personally and professionally, that they could not have imagined happening. I just think Amy Papel is a brilliant author. She is so smart. She writes about um, the human condition so well. I like that she uses so many different ways to tell her story. Like in this one, the idea of music, of course, as a metaphor all the way through the book. It was absolutely a beautiful book. Highly recommend it. Then I read The Off-Limits Rule by Sarah Adams, which was, um, I read The Off-Limits Rule and then The Temporary Roomie, and those are two in a series, again, off Kindle Unlimited. These were some of Sarah Adams' earlier books. 
um, that I believe she self-published, which is why they're still on Kindle Unlimited. Um, I thought they were good, but I think her later books are better. A Practice Makes Perfect is her last one, I think. Um, it's something about something about practice and perfect and it was her best one yet so it's fun again to watch an author grow all the way through but I like to go back and look at their early work sometimes too and then I reread Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne um, she is another author who's one of my favorites she wrote love lettering she wrote uh, a lot of different books um, and this one was about a woman who has come back home after losing her job in California to try to sort herself out. She hopes she'll be able to help her best friend who is pregnant um, and maybe take care of her parents' house while they are out of town. What she does not expect to find is being thrust into a temporary roommate situation with um, the town's bad boy who is really not a bad boy after all but has pulled his life together and is trying to do everything well now. And it's a really just sweet and kind story. It's a look back at high school, the people that everybody thought we were then, the people we thought we were then, and the way that coming home, it's easy to wrap yourself back up in that person that you used to be. Um, but how, with the right person, you can figure out how to become the person you want it to be. Interesting. It was a good one. Okay. That wraps it up for me. Well, I don't have that many uh, things to talk about, but uh, one book that I did read, thanks to Haley Halcom for the suggestion on this. She had talked about it when we had her on the podcast, and lo and behold, I was in the library, and there it was, and I thought, okay. I'll oh, you it. were so excited about this one. A Fever in the Heartland by Timothy Egan. The subtitle is The Ku Klux Klan's Plot to Take Over America and the Woman Who Stopped Them. Um... D.C. Stevenson is the name of the guy who comes out thriving from nowhere in Indiana in the 1920s uh, when the Ku Klux Klan experienced this massive uh, regeneration that really threatened to take over, if not the whole country, a significant portion of the country. And Stevenson is only stopped after he murders someone, in essence, um, an incredible narrative full of fascinating history, unforgettable characters. And at the end of the day, the, the story as it usually is, is that when something is dangerous and un-American is thriving, the only way it really gets taken down is by the small determined efforts of people who do their day-to-day -day lives, but do them with a special vigor to fight the evil among them. Mm. Um, I, I could say more, but I'd be giving things away. But this really was a page turner, and that's a hard thing to do when you're writing about something that's 100 years old um, and, and, again, wasn't you know anything I'd ever really heard of. I, I was aware there was some sort of general rise in the KKK again at some point, uh, but this book really gave that context and in Stevenson who is just again this this guy who appears out of nowhere and has all these outlandish claims about who he is and where he's been and what he's done none of which ever quite check out um it really gave it a face so uh, excellent book uh, it's not particularly long but even for its length you know I just couldn't stop turning pages so I listen to you talk about your books, and I'm like, did I only read frivolous things? 
<laughs> these last two I weeks. didn't say Here that. Here you are reading about the Klan and all kinds of stuff. And okay. I so enjoyed them, so I don't care. I also read The Cause, The American Revolution and Its Discontents, 1773 to 1783, Joseph J. Ellis. I heard some of this because yeah. you were listening it's to it. It's the audiobook that I went with. Uh, and I've read some of Ellis's other books. Um, he did one about the founding fathers that I'm not finding in my brief attempt to find it on the internet. But the cause is kind of back to that same story. But what's interesting about the cause is that the book really exists to kind of gut the narrative that the American fight for independence was this sort of great ideological crusade that was done with one mind. Now, it was a very messy, convoluted thing at every step of the way, fraught with difficulty and peril. Uh, the regular Continental Army is kind of the forgotten hero, and no wonder. I mean, I told you at one point, a, a kind of typical story is Washington, with the war still raging, goes to Congress and says, I need $3 million. And they kind of pass the hat, which is really all Congress could do at this point under the Articles of Confederation. And they say, well, here's $39,000. How's that? <laughs> um, it wasn't great. So, you know, th there are a lot of behind-the-scenes feuds, any of which could have scuttled this. It was a revolution fought at incredibly long odds, but often the internal revolution was every bit as wild and mind-boggling as anything that was going on on the front lines. Uh, so that really is, is what Ellis is doing here. And as a guy who's a pretty big Revolutionary War historian, he knows what he's talking about. Excellent book. Yeah, enjoyed it. Uh, and again, kind of uh, re retaught me some things and, and unlearned some of my mistaken prejudices. The other thing I said last time, I've got kind of an ongoing quest. I pulled up an old Esquire magazine story where they named their 100 best baseball books, and I'm ticking off the ones I have not already read. Go you! This time it was A Day in the Bleachers by Arnold Hanno, uh, which is written in the 1950s. It was written about game one of the 1954 World Series. Oh my gosh, this is absolutely your kind of book. Well, and it's one game, it's one day, but it's most interesting in the context of how do fans behave in 1954. And, you know, he goes from the whole thing. He tells his wife he thinks he'll go to the World Series game. And she says, oh, you'll never get in. And he shows up. And maybe he won't get a ticket. Or maybe he will. And he does. Different times. Uh, but he sits in bleachers next to random people. And he tells all about his interactions with it. Of course, the game that he sees is one of the all-time classic World Series games. Willie Mays makes perhaps the greatest catch in the history of baseball, which he discusses in great depth. Uh, so he gets a jewel of a game, which helps with his narrative. But uh, it was an interesting book, not so much for detail about the game as detail about the era. And, I mean, Hanno watches this game in the polo grounds, which is torn down four years later. Uh, and that era of America and that era of baseball is gone. Uh, so it was an interesting way to learn a little bit about that. Very cool. Yep, enjoyed them all. Got some other stuff I'm working on, but none of which is uh, at the finish line, which I could also say of our shared book, which you read, and I briefly flipped through a little bit and still need to finish reading ahead of the great Richard Russo's upcoming book. The good news is I've got a little while. 
You've got till Tuesday. It comes out on Tuesday. Well, but we're not going to talk about the new one for a while. <laughs> okay, so right. I've got some time. Everybody's Fool is the one we were reviewing. Uh, but the, the thing uh, that stood out was just what a, what a freaking genius this guy is. And I mean, how many of his books have I read? How many have I loved? Empire Falls is is just massive and brilliant. Straight Man is Straight just Man hilarious. Is That's my the first all-time one. favorite. It was our introduction to Richard Russo, mm. and it is the one I have read the most times. I love Empire Falls, and I love the movie that I think HBO did of it, which did pretty fair justice to it, which is a hard lot. thing to do. Uh, but but every- I love all of his stuff, and he is one of the few modern writers who, um, I think he has three short story collections out, and I absolutely adore two of them. And I don't, I'm not a big short story yeah, person. Yeah, that's that's a hard thing to do, even for a great writer. Mm-hmm. His memoir was wonderful. He just, he's fabulous. Yeah, and uh, this one wasn't any different. Just Just reviewing it. I'm always amazed at the way that just the pathos of his characters just jumps off the page. His characters are funny and flawed and real and yet incredibly endearing. Well, his motif, the the thing that happens again and again in all of his fiction, is he looks at what does it mean to be a man in our society today. Mm -hmm. And he gives us, you were mentioning this earlier when we were talking about it, when we first started reading Rousseau, we loved him because he wrote about these middle-aged men, and we were young adults who were moving toward middle age, and it was interesting to see the kinds of things that we were going to face, the issues that were coming, and how people handled it. Um, the whole midlife crisis kind of thing. And now the more we read, I mean, okay, so Everybody's Fool, which is what we're ostensibly talking about this week, mm-hmm. um, it follows Nobody's Fool. And he doesn't do a lot of series, really. They, you'll see connections in his short stories if you read those, but the books are all standalone. Even in this little series here, the Fool series, you could read in either of these first two books on their own and be fine. Mm-hmm. Um but in the first book, Nobody's Fool, we're looking at Sully as a young man, again, middle-aged man. The same kind of thing as, as the other books we had been reading. But in Everybody's Fool, Sully is old. And that seems to be the trend with his books right now. Of course, he has aged. And he's writing about what it means to be an old man. And how you're still learning. And you're still growing. And how you handle the things life throws at you in this stage. We are not old yet. But I just find it fascinating the way that he can write human growth and the human psyche. It's so he's so good. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. This one is no exception. Again, I've read it before, so it's not as if I haven't read the book. I just didn't get to read much of it this time. But I'm completely going back through it in preparation for the new one, which is and, called Somebody's Fool. Right. That was my next point. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing that Richard Russo does brilliantly, and it is small town life. I don't think he's written any book that is not set in some kind of a small town. New England. Yeah, yeah, all in the same area. And they all center around like what it means to be a man, but also what it means to be in this place that can feel so very limiting, but that also can offer you everything. Now, that was huge in Empire Falls. I think mm-hmm. that's probably the book that's most place-centric of yes. all the, the stuff he's done. It. You know, Straight Man is a, is a lot of fun. It might be your favorite. Empire Falls just feels massive to me. Empire Falls feels to me like his Herculean novel. Where well, you it's feel like, you feel the same way about Bridge of Sighs. Yeah, 
Yeah. And you're not that wrong about either of those. But I don't love Empire Falls just because it is fun and his funniest book. It really is. Both of those things. Straight Man, you mean. Straight Man, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I love Straight Man because it's, it's about an English teacher, for one thing. <laughs> it is. A, a college professor. I love the way he looks at the world of academia and the way he looks at how in a small town, in a small community, how we make fools of ourselves, how we allow ourselves to make fools of ourselves, and how we recover from it, how we can stand up, look those same people in the face, and choose better. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, that matters to me a lot. As somebody who's from a small town. <laughs> you wouldn't, what was it that he threatens to do, shoot a duck? Is that the... Kill the, a duck every day yeah. until he gets a budget. Right, right. I remember that much about it. It's pretty wild. Yeah. But anyway, he's a genius. Looking forward to the new one. But before we undertake that new book, I'm excited to say the next time we're here, uh, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. I haven't firmed it up, but I have a tentative commitment from... A guy who uh, has worn a lot of literary hats, and we'll probably talk about uh, several of those with him. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to call him a friend, even if only by email and by reading his books. But uh, Chad Gibbs, he now he uses Chad Allen Gibbs now as his uh, pen name. But he's a guy who's written everything from sports to theology to novels, and he's got a couple uh, of different ones that we're, we're going to do something a little bit unorthodox in the effort to spread the gospel of Chad Gibbs a little here. We're going to actually undertake to read a couple of different things. Yes. So let's dive deep. Uh, first book of his was God and football, which I love. And then Jesus without borders we've talked about on here, Yeah. Um, yeah. which is phenomenal. Love thy rivals uh, was another one of his, but now he's got, a new series he's working on, and I am going to I believe undertake. it is for young adults. Yeah, the, the first... And it's a mystery series. ...novel of the series, the Izzy and Elton mystery series, Bardo by the Sea, is the first book. I haven't read any of these, so I'm going to start at the beginning. Uh, I know Chad's got either two more out or one more out and a second one on the way of this series, but that's a 2022 book, so hopefully it's still somewhat fresh in his mind. But then you went into his back pages a little bit deeper, back to 2019, for another novel that I he's think written. the only thing of his besides this new mystery series that I haven't read is called Two Like Me and You, which is a young adult novel. So I'm going to read that one, but mm -hmm. I will probably also try to get this mystery novel as well because it does sound wonderful. I might double down as well. So Two Like Me and You, Bardo by the Sea, Chad Gibbs, Chad Allen Gibbs. We'll uh, try to pick his brain on football, faith, travel tips. He's just, oh, he, uh, yeah. he's been on vacation too now. So, well, he's uh, got that one book that's about travel too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have so much to talk about with him, you guys, and we cannot even say how strongly excited we are to talk to him because we love him. We love his writing. Can't wait. You guys are going to love this too. If you have never read anything by him, you're in for a treat. Um, so you can start with the ones that we are starting with or really just pick up anything from him. Um, it's amazing. You're going to love it. If you have any thoughts about Richard Russo, we hope you're excited about his new book coming out as well, or Chad Gibbs or anything else we've talked about today, please let us know. You can find us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Thanks so much for listening, and whatever else you get into this summer, stay cool, stay hydrated, and keep reading.